Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you Amazing. in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Walk with me through this little mental experiment, if you will. Don't worry, it'll be it'll be easy in some parts and hard in others. Just stay with me. I want you to picture your life as it stands right now. Your job, your house, your kids, your financial situation, whatever that may be. And the situation of all your neighbors, all the people who live in your neighborhood, in your town, in your city. But mainly your neighborhood, because that's easiest to picture. You picture their faces, you picture their names. The reason I said neighbors is those are generally, almost universally, people in a similar socioeconomic situation to you. Doesn't mean you're the same people, but in general, you're going to have roughly the same income, roughly the same family values. You know, it's the way the way societies work. All right, you got it? You pictured it? Yourself, everybody else. Now, I want you to picture massive hardship hitting all of you. Economic hardship. You, all your neighbors, job is wiped out. Some of you get unemployment. Some of you, a few of you, I mean, those who can get a job well below your level. Maybe you'd maybe you were in your 40s, 50s, maybe you're making 100 grand a year. Now all of a sudden you're you're pounding nails making 40 grand a year just trying to get by. And you and all your neighbors who lost your jobs, you have to move out of that neighborhood. Wherever your house apartment is, go ahead and knock that down two or three levels. Maybe you got 3,000 square feet right now. You you move the fam into a 1200 square foot apartment. None of this is outside the realm of possibility, mind you. This this is how people have lived their lives. Life has its ups and downs. You never know. You, you with me so far? You, all your neighbors, life's gotten worse. Now, I want you to picture this. Hang with me. I've got a purpose with it. Aliens come to Earth. No, not like in the movies, not shooting lasers and things like that. They look fairly similar to us. Look very similar. I mean, you can tell they're aliens, but they look pretty similar. And they're actually really friendly. It's no issue. Your neighborhood, you guys, you're all on hard times. And the na- the aliens move into your neighborhood, your town, your old one. And they move in large quantities. And again, it's a friendly relationship. It's, it's, not, it's not a big problem. And all of a sudden you realize these these aliens are, wait a minute, they bought all the news stations? That's kind of weird. Okay, whatever, it's not a big deal. Wait, they have all the banks? Why did they buy all the banks? I mean, they're not unfriendly, whatever. They just they gave me a loan. I needed that loan, but they own all the banks? Man, I'm on hard times, gosh. Wait, they're how, what percentage of the doctors? They're they're the most the doctors, the lawyers. Do you think in our little thought experiment there? Do you think that would cause some tension with you and your community? 
even if it wouldn't cause it with you. And I hope it wouldn't because the aliens didn't do anything wrong there in that scenario. But even if it wouldn't cause tension with you, do you know anyone who that would probably cause tension with? Do you think you know two people, three people, four people? Do you think somebody might start giving speeches in the town square saying, these aliens are taking over. They're controlling the money. That's the pro. They're the, they're the problem. We're on hard times, and it's just freaking aliens. Now, let us go to Germany. We have to understand today, because we're going to have a long discussion about it, what we mean by propaganda. The truth is simply this. Propaganda is used by lots of people, has been used in the history of mankind. It has such a negative word to it or a negative connotation to it because we feel like we're being manipulated. And you are. You're being manipulated for a very, very, very specific reason, depending on which propaganda you're consuming. But governments have used it. Companies have used it. You use it sometimes. I use propaganda with my kids, if you want to think about it. Especially when they were younger. When it was time for them to get some TV time in. Do you think I turned on for them the new transgender cartoon on whatever ridiculous channel they have out there now? No, I put on uh, little Christian videos. I wanted my kids to, to hear Bible stories and things like that. Now... I'm not apologizing for it in the least, but that counts as propaganda. I'm manipulating them by what that what I'm showing them and what I'm not showing them. I see these people all the time out there. They're kid- my seven-year-old is frantic. Oh, my my five-year-old just asked if Donald Trump's going to kill us. And on the right too. Oh, my my eight-year-old son. He said we're about to be murdered by illegal immigrants. You know why I've never heard these words from my kids? I don't put my kids in front of the news. Ever. Maybe my my kids are uninformed. But I don't want them... I don't want them diving into that. Not left wing, not right wing. I don't put them in front of any of it. And you know what I do for a living, right? So propaganda's got an ugly, you know... An ugly connotation to it, but we all do it on some level. Now, Germany. Germany, remember, loses World War One. They lose World War One in large part, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but in large part because the Russians had a revolution, which we talked about the other day, and pulled out of the war, but that didn't actually solve Germany's problem because the Russians also, well, they were pushing socialism hard and that socialism began to infect Germany on the front lines. It infected France too, but workers, soldiers were beginning to rise up and cast things off. A young man who fought in that conflict, World War I, his name was Adolf Hitler and he was disgusted by this. He thought this workers rising socialism communism thing 
He thought it cost Germany the war, and he blamed Russian Jews for it. He thought communism was a Jewish thing. In fairness, lots of these commies were Jews. Trotsky and these guys were Jews. But the, the Jewish socialism thing doesn't have the overlap they tried to make it out to be. But again, remember, it's propaganda. Propaganda that's all lies doesn't work. Propaganda has to be partially true so people will believe it. You tell just enough of the truth to get your point out there. You reveal none of the other side of it. And it's amazing how powerful that can be. Now, there's a young man out there in this same era. His name is Paul Joseph Goebbels. It's really weird. His name is clearly spelled Goebbels. There's no R in it. Everybody calls him Goebbels. I don't understand how the English language works. There's no R in the name. I can see the name. It's right here, Chris. There's no R in it. And he begins to, well, hang on. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. ExpressVPN.com slash Jesse. Remember that and remember it well because here's the deal your internet is not safe at your home. I'm not trying to make you paranoid. I'm not trying to freak you out, but everybody's worried about all kinds of security right now, and I understand that. I mean, America, it's, it's burning right now, it's bad. But you worry about your security, you worry about your weapons, you worry about your door locks, you worry about all these things, and then you go home and you hop online with no ExpressVPN. You let your kids hop online with no ExpressVPN. Do you know what people can do with that information that you're putting in online? And do you know your internet service provider can see everything unless you have ExpressVPN? Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse and start being safe. Start protecting your data. ExpressVPN.com slash Jesse gets you three months free on a one-year package. Now, before we get back to our World War I, World War II story, understand there's a man born 1897, Joseph Goebbels. Born to a loving family, but born with a screwed up foot. Had some kind of club foot bone marrow problem. That was a different era than the one we live in today, but you can still see evidence of this today. Physical activity... Physical prowess, especially when compared with other boys, is important to boys. It's not a bad thing. It's how God made us. There's a reason every kid wants to be the star athlete. Nobody wants to suck. Nobody wants to be the chubby kid getting throttled in dodgeball. 
Everybody wants to be the star. Date the cheerleader. It's human nature. Don't apologize for it. It's totally fine. There is something that happens to a young man when he has something wrong with him physically. Maybe maybe wrong isn't even the right word to put it. When he's not physically a match for his fellow boys. Goebbels was rejected and mocked. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like some weird Sigmund Freud psychobabble stuff. I am here to tell you it affects you your entire life. I've seen it time and time again. I'm grateful I did not have to go through that as a child. But I had moments where I got ganged up on. I had moments where we, when we moved from Ohio to Montana when I was 10 years old, 10 years old. I mean, who cares about anything at the age of 10? I was having a fist fight at lunchtime. And I remember that feeling. To this day, I'm 38. Fine. Life's worked out okay for me. The parts I haven't screwed up. I'm 38 years old. Reasonably successful. Wife, two kids, pickup truck. I'm going to eat a pizza today. I have everything I need. and Life is good. And to this day... I can tell you what it felt like walking into a classroom in the fifth grade having people snicker at you because you're the new kid. There's something about that that hangs with you. It hangs in your mind. I'm not crying to my Cheerios about it, as you can tell. But it just if that's what that was like, a couple minor incidents for me, what's it like being mocked your entire entire childhood for your club foot? Do you think that has some kind of an effect on your psyche? So Goebbels throws himself into his studies, throws himself into them. Ends up being the valedictorian of his high school, of course. Has a real passion for writing plays and things like that. And he is a fanatical Catholic at this point in time. He writes a play for the Catholic Church, about Judas. The Catholic Church was mortified by it, told him he was not allowed to publish it, at which point in time, feeling mega rejected by the second major thing in his life, Goebbels leaves the church never to return. Goebbels falls in love. Falls madly in love. Things are going so well, she's apparently smitten with him. He's smitten with her. And now Goebbels starts to get involved in the Nazi party very early on. Now, I want you to remember this. This can be hard because we have the benefit of hindsight and we realize, oh, that turned out to be the most horrifying genocidal regime ever in a short period of time. They did not have that hindsight back then. Remember this, post-World War I, this is the state of Germany. The British and French troops were still on German soil. By many accounts, now not horrifically, but by many accounts, still abusing the populace now and then as soldiers do when soldiers are in an occupying situation. That's simply the nature of man. 
Me and my 30 buddies have all the guns. You civilians don't have any protection. At some point in time, one of my buddies is going to do something stupid because he can, free of consequence. So they have essentially a British-French occupation. The Germans, as you all know now because you listen to my show, after the Treaty of Versailles had these horrible reparations they had to pay back these other countries, and we forced them to give up huge parts of their economy. It's essentially like, essentially like saying, Producer Chris, you owe me $100,000. Oh, and you're fired. That's really what we did. So they start printing money, which causes hyperinflation. You've seen the pictures of the Weimar Republic, people walking around with wheelbarrows full of cash because it's worthless, starting fires with it. The German people are down and out and miserable and poor, and suicides at this point are skyrocketing as suicides do in economic depressions. Where have you heard that before? Skyrocketing. And socialism is part of, initially, the Nazi platform. Remember, it's a national socialist movement. That's what Nazi stands for. And socialism was a big, big part of that, and Goring falls in love with that part of it. This sounds wonderful. This sounds equal. We'll all be in this together. Only... A man begins to rise in the Nazi party, and the funny thing about this guy is while he's rising in the National Socialist Party and he's clearly about to be a political star, obviously I'm talking about Adolf Hitler, remember, he doesn't like the socialists at all. He likes Nazism for a lot of reasons, and the socialism part ain't one of it, Jack. But Goebbels is loving the socialism part, his love of his life. Remember I told you about her? Yeah, her and her family felt a little differently. You see the world at this point. Now, you and I don't get this because we've been educated in America's crappy education system. But at this point in time, the world had just witnessed the absolute bloody massacre of the communist revolution in Russia. This was not a pleasant revolution. The world watched that. Much of the world and decided, "Uh, I guess socialism actually isn't all that nice. Because that was the first experiment with it, and that's horrific. Goebbels decides he's going to be a socialist. The old lady runs out on him. He even writes her letters, endless letters. She never even writes him back. Eventually, a buddy catches her out one night with another wealthy young man. Now, that's rejection number three. And Mr. Goebbels' life. And he begins to find out about this man named Adolf Hitler. And he goes and sits before him at a time where the country was doing much the same for much the same reasons. And what is he hearing out of the mouth of Adolf Hitler? This is what he's hearing. You are Germans. You are the greatest people on the face of your planet. On the face of the planet. Everything that's happened to us, not our fault. This is someone else's fault. This is the crappy Kaiser's fault. This is the Jew's fault. You are made for greatness. 
Now, that Jewish thing from Hitler may have made you uncomfortable. I kind of hope it made you a little uncomfortable. But remember this. There was a prime ground for that kind of rhetoric at this time in Germany. And do you know why there was that kind of rhetoric? Well, allow me to explain in just a second. Was there a ripe environment for Jew hatred in Germany? Well, some of that Jew hatred was already there. Remember our little thought experiment in the beginning? Berlin had recently experienced a massive influx of Jews. They'd gone from two or 3,000, I forget what exactly the number was, it was really low, to over 100,000, not overnight, but really, really quickly. Now, why? Because the Jews, as they always seem to get stuck doing, were experiencing horrific oppression in Russia. Pogroms, pogroms, I've heard, them people, I've heard people call them different things. It was oftentimes a government-sanctioned night or nights of terror. The Jews would oftentimes live in their own areas, as people do, associate with other people like you. The Russian leadership would oftentimes need a scapegoat, to a, a way to focus the civil unrest that's always taking place in Russia. And oftentimes they would say, it's the Jews, go get them. And people would simply storm into Jewish neighborhoods, Murder, rape, pillage, the works. Horror. I mean, horror. Kill people in front of their families. They were horrible. A, a bunch of little mini Kristallnachts. It was horrible. Now, the Jews in Russia were all, uh, nope, we out. And they begin to pour into Germany. How do you think people like Hitler felt about that when he already thought, Russians were a bunch of dirty commies and didn't like the Jews anyway, so the Jews start to fill up Germany. Now, not fill up. We're talking 5% of the population, but when you go from 0.05% of the population to 5% of the population, that's a massive influx. And the Jews, they start, they start owning all the banks. Goebbels, you know where he got a lot of his suspicion and hatred of the Jews from? He actually took a clerical job when he was low down and out at a bank at a time when Germany's financial situation was disastrous and everybody was poor. And he noticed all the Jews owned the bank and all the Jews had all the money in the bank. Now, why is that? Well, nobody likes to look at the reasons why, and here's the reason why. For a long, long, long time throughout Europe, Christians 
Catholics, we're mainly talking Catholics here, the, the Catholic version of Christianity, they barred people from loaning money with interest. They thought it was an actual sin. Now, you may think it's an actual sin. Don't scream at me. It's, I'm, not, I'm not taking a stance on it here. It was, and I don't mean one kook pastor brought it up. It was, no, 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 you do not loan money for interest, period. So um, people still need loans, right? And people don't give out loans just to give out loans. You give out loans to make money from them. So it it became this gigantic vacuum that the Jews filled up. Now, you can say they did themselves no favors with this part of it. But it was also Jewish policy to not loan money and charge interest to fellow Jews. They only did it to non-Jews. I look at that and I say, nice, that's a close-knit community. However, again, remember that alien scenario? They own all the banks. They're charging you all the interest. They're not charging their fellow Jews the interest. If you're somebody, remember what I told you about propaganda. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show. I don't care that you're uncomfortable right now. We're talking about how it is. Propaganda is powerful. You only need some truth and you can work your way up from there. The Jews were virtually all the banks. The Jews were the lawyers, the doctors. Yes, all those stereotypes those inappropriate jokes you get to make with your Jewish buddies when the when the microphone is off that you can't say now, producer Chris. You know, there's, there's stereotypes there. But it created, you know, in the same way producer Jewish, Jewish producer Chris and I can joke about this off the air, we can joke about it now because we don't experience a lot of that in America. We have things like, you know, it's, it's like that nasty bit of business in New York. And, I mean, there are pockets of it. But in general, that's just not a thing here. Let's just put it this way. They weren't joking about it in Germany in the 20s and 30s. It was not funny. And, and Hitler was angry about it. And Goebbels was angry about it. And they chose to focus so much of the public hatred Towards the Jews. And you get to a point where if you get enough people who feel that way and you manipulate the media enough so they really feel that way, then you don't even need 90% of the population on your side at first. Give yourself 20, 30% of the population that hates the Jews or at least has some Jewish resentment there. Let's take this 20, 30%. Let's make them really, really loud. Let's cement our ideology in them. And then once we've done that, they'll be so loud and such strong believers that that 20, 30% becomes 35 as people start to come along. It becomes 40 as people start to come along. Soon it's 50. Soon it's 60. Soon it's 70. Soon, before you even know it, if you play your cards right or horribly, if you play your cards right, soon you've got a whole nation hating Jews. 
And no, because you have to do it slowly, right? Remember, Hitler didn't run on, I'm going to gas six million Jews. He did not run on that. He ran on, I hate Jews. He ran on, we don't want Jews. Hitler originally even openly tried to deport all the Jews. Many nations, us included, rejected such deportations. He didn't run on, I'm going to murder six million. He ran on, they suck. And eventually people start to think, you know, they kind of do suck. You know what? I agree. They suck. Yeah, they really suck. Well, no, I don't think, no, we don't want to kill them. No one's even suggesting killing them, but we can at least put them in their own little ghettos, right? Do you see how it happens, ladies and gentlemen? And then you get a man like Joseph Goebbels take over, and you know what Goebbels does? So much of the stuff you've seen, but really it was masterful if you think about it. The books, the movies, the news. He took control of all of it and started to put out what we know as propaganda. Propaganda showing the greatness of Germans. The greatness of Germany. And if you have to have a bad guy in the movie, let's let's get Mr. Goldstein over here. We need an evil Jew. Play the Again, you don't have to be overt. If you go look at any of it or read any of it, some of it's really overt, some of it's really sly. Up, oh, we gotta have a gotta have a scoundrel. Do we have any Jews? Let's get some Jews over here. Hitler loved this propaganda. Goebbels loved that propaganda and used it incredibly effectively throughout the war. Hitler watched as the nations poured propaganda on Germany in World War I, made them out to be a bunch of barbarians, which they really weren't. But he watched the effectiveness of that propaganda, and he said to himself, never again will will we be on the wrong side of that. I'm about to read you a statistic that's going to shock you. Hang on. I've got an animal inside of me. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You need to take on the IRS. You need to take on the IRS right now. Stop putting it off. They're not going to forget about you. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, take my word for it. They're going to get their money unless you get a professional, a professional to step in and fight for you. Somebody who knows how to take on the IRS and that's Paramount Tax Relief. You cannot wish your IRS problems away. You can't just, you know, well, I'll just cross my fingers. Maybe they'll lose my name. They're not going to lose your name. They're coming. They will take your business. They'll take your home. They'll take your wages. But if you call Paramount Tax Relief, there's actually a chance you qualify for the new CNC tax program. It allows you to stop making any payments while you're in it. Give them a call and find out. 800-816-8749. 800-816-8749. Do not get an amateur. Get a professional. Paramount Tax Relief.
877-377-4373. I had this conversation last night. I'm going to... I'm going to cover up a name for you because I don't want to out this person. This person is a friend of mine. Hanging out, walk in. This guy is certainly not heavily political, but no question a Republican, a conservative. The dude has a Trump hat. Uh, This dude is on the right, okay? On the right. And this person watches the news a lot. He works from home, and he always has the news on in the background. It's always on. And it's not all, you know, Fox News, the first. It's not all that stuff. It's it's ABC, NBC, CBS. It's all that stuff. He just has it on in the background. Walk in. I ask him, what are you watching? I'm watching these uh, George Floyd protests. I'm like, oh, I, I, I just, I kind of give him the, oh, okay, type thing. And he says, can you believe this? And I said, oh, well, can I believe what? The racism we still have in this country. And I said, racism? What do you mean racism? These cops, man, they killed that black dude. And then they interviewed a black guy as we're talking. It's just worked out perfectly. And the black guy gets on there. I don't know who he was being interviewed by a local reporter and says, man, they're out here. They're, they're killing us, man. We're, we're protesting against these guys are out here. These cops are out here killing us. And we want something done about it. To which I give that, oh, gosh. And my buddy says, what? I said, out here killing us. Are you serious? He said, dude, what is wrong with you? You don't believe we need to do something about racist policing in America? I said, do me a favor, brother. Because I don't want to argue with you right now. We're just hanging out. Look up some numbers. Give me a call tomorrow. He texted me this morning. And all it said was, all it said was, oh, man, my bad. I had no idea. Do you want to hear some numbers? Some realities? Because I know many of you, even on the right, have, especially young people, have got a lot. Well, we have to we have to reform racist policing, this racist policing, this racism, racism, racism. It's race, 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 race. We've got racist cops, racist cops. I see young people on the right, and I know we'll get to this. It's in the American education system mainly, but it's also the propaganda you see in the news. Racism, racism, racist cops, racist cops. They're hunting down black people. Race, race, race. Do you want to know what the numbers were last year? 10 million people were arrested last year. You ready? Walk with me. 1,000 were killed by police. It's actually 1,004, but that doesn't matter. Let's keep the numbers even so you can understand. 10 million arrests in America. 1,000 were killed by police. 
Do you know how many of those people killed by police were unarmed? Anyone know? Anyone want to guess? Anybody? 41. There were 41 people in a country of 320 million, 41 unarmed people killed by police last year. 41. Do you know how? You want to know how many of them were white? 19. Do you know how many unarmed black men were killed by police in all of 2019? Nine. Nine. Ladies and gentlemen, propaganda is an amazingly powerful thing. I want you to do me a favor. Think for a moment. Think for a moment of what you've seen in the last week in the United States of America. 140 American cities burning, looting, rioting, death. We got cops dead all over the place. You have not only Antifa people, you have the Black Lives Matter people openly talking about defunding America's police. The racist cops, the black life, they're slaughtering black people. Black, black, we're black life, we're being slaughtered. Nine unarmed black men were killed last year in all of 2019. What we deal with in this country now, now more than ever, what we deal with is propaganda. And we're all susceptible to it depending on what you allow yourself to consume. My buddy, my conservative buddy, my Trump voting buddy, until I had one brief conversation with him, thought America's cops had a racism problem. Why did he think that? Well, I'll show you. Hang on. I got a great night's sleep last night. Know what? I'm going to get another one tonight. Do you know why? Because I stopped dilly-dallying around. I stopped using things that you know only mask the problem or kick the can down the road. I'm just going to take more sleeping pills. I stopped all that, and I started to attack the actual issue, and that's the thoughts racing through my head. Those thoughts are what's keeping you awake. You know it's true. That's why you need an ebb sleep. It's a wearable device. It applies precise, continuous cooling to your forehead area, which puts you asleep faster and keeps you asleep. All these other solutions, they're just a Band-Aid on a massive, massive problem. Stop doing that. Start fixing the problem. Start knowing what a great night's sleep is like. Tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse for 25 bucks off. want to know why this nation feels the way it feels about race, even though the numbers don't back it up? Do you want to know? Let me tell you why, people. 
There was a bar owner in Omaha, Nebraska. This bar owner was surrounded by looters shattering his windows. At one point in time, this bar owner finds himself assaulted, finds himself flat on his back, under attack, responds with a weapon with deadly force, looter, dead, America wins, right? Do you know what the headline is? I'm not making this up. This is verbatim. Do you know what the headline is? Do you want to know why America feels the way it feels? Here's the headline. A white bar owner in Omaha shot and killed a black protester. He won't face charges. Ladies and gentlemen, Goebbels didn't die when he committed suicide in Germany. His body may be dead. His memory lives on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. A white bar owner in Omaha shot and killed a black protester. He won't face charges. That's the headline after a bar owner was assaulted by looters trying to take his stuff, defended his body with deadly force. I have a headline right here. Young college-educated Americans more likely to justify Antifa riots. People... You are going to hear me talk about this until the end of time. Virtually everything else we do, virtually all of it, all the political arguments, the battles we have, Supreme Court, all of it is just moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic unless we take back over the American education system. When I said people on the right were going along with this America's racist cops or racist rhetoric, do you know what the major dividing line is? Age. Age. Mostly the young people I know, younger, relatively fresh from school, absolutely believe people on the right absolutely believe America has a gigantic racism problem with our cops. They do because we have, and I still marvel at this. I still marvel at the genius of this from the left. And I still marvel how we could be so stupid on the right. We allowed the people who hate this place To educate our children? You want to talk about propaganda. 
You want to talk about Goebbels putting, obviously, do you think, would you want to know what the German curriculum was under the Nazis? Do you think it was a little twisted? Do you think maybe little Johnny would go to school at the age of 10 until the age of 18 and learn some uh, maybe not so favorable things about the Jews? Education of your youth is critical to the future of a nation. And the left makes so much headway with people on the right. Whenever the right tries to get involved in it and the left tries to act as if, well, you're just trying to control what we can teach the kid. Every nation that wants to survive focuses on what it teaches the next generation. Every nation in the history of the world, whether that be organized education, religious education, education from parents, what you teach the next generation will determine what your nation looks like. And your kid and my kid, if they're educated in a public school from the age of 6 to the age of 22 to 23, they spend 7, 8 hours a day learning about the fact America sucks. That is a fact. If you don't believe me, go talk to somebody. Go talk to a parent. Go talk to a kid in high school and ask them about their history class curriculum. Ask them what they learn about America. Ask them what they learn about current events. It is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my entire life because, honestly, what I do is I I read history. I listen to history. I watch history. I love it. As you can tell, it's totally my thing. And I'm sure there are examples of this. I'm sure there are because I never believe we're witnessing something new in history. I just never believe that. It's part of the reason I do the history so much on the show. I just always assume there's a lesson we can learn. There's something that's happening now that's happened before. But I, for the life of me, cannot find a single, single instance in the history of mankind, where the organized education system of a nation was dedicated to teaching its children how horrible that nation was. That is the most suicidal thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And yet here in America, that is our education system. And I don't mean some, you know, random school well, it's some some nor- some school in San Francisco. Brother, that's probably your school, your high school, your college. Some universities may be more in your face about it. Some may be more sly. But you don't even have to just go to college to find out how bad America sucks. Turn on NBC News every night. On NBC News every night, you will hear... Chinese communist propaganda repeated verbatim as if it's fact. You will hear how bad America is, how much America sucks. Not just by what they show you. Remember, much of propaganda is what you omit. It's what they don't show you in our education system. It is time to take this seriously. And I've had this talk with you before, and I'm going to have this talk with you again. 
You need to pull your kids out of government schools. If you are in any way able to do so, and I realize especially with this economic disaster we're sitting on here that everyone's forgotten about while we get distracted by racism for a few days, I realize that may not be financially possible. Fine. You do what you can do. It's not like I had some private education. I was in public schools my whole life too. But know that if you have to go that route of public schooling, you have a lot of work to do when your child gets home from school to give them the other side of the coin. You're going to have to do some deprogramming there or you're going to have to get their butts out of public schools. And don't just assume that local private school is great either because private schools can suck just as bad. You've got to get your kid out of public schools, man. Homeschool if you can. If you got a good private school, focus on the religious ones depending on your persuasion. They got great Christian private schools out there. There are great Catholic ones. There are great Jewish ones. Religious ones are a great way to go. Don't worry about twisting up your kid's mind if you don't even believe in that. The ones I know about, and I know several here in the Houston area, it's always there. It's not some religious indoctrination. It's just part of the education system. Shoot, our our religious private schools now look look like what American public schools looked like in the 40s and 50s before the godless leftists destroyed it. What, Chris? We could, what? It is true. It is true. I'm not here to make you feel better about it. I am the furthest thing in the world from a good father. I admit that. But I do love those boys. I love them a lot. And I worry constantly about the things that go into their mind. And I really worry about what I've seen parents go through time and time again. And they're so heartbroken by this. When it's not their fault, lots of times people just don't know, don't have time, whatever the case may be. They send their kids off to school like they're supposed to. Then they send them off to college like they're supposed to. And soon little Johnny comes home at 23, 24, and he's a totally different person with totally opposite values to how he was raised. And the parents will talk to you about it, and they're just mortified, man. Mortified. What happened to my boy? Where you send your kids for seven, eight hours a day is going to affect them the rest of their lives. Choose wisely. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. I was horrified the first time I found out how unsafe I had left my family. I obviously locked my doors. I have weapons. I do all these things. But when it came to the internet, I just kind of didn't think about it, right? Or if my wife was doing something where where we needed to put in some personal information or, or go to a personal website, I'd say, well, just use the private browser. You know, that way no one can see. And I was an idiot. I was wrong. 
It turns out your internet service provider can see everything all the time. I mean everything, unless you have ExpressVPN. They encrypt 100% of your data. They make sure your IP address is anonymous. That's what ExpressVPN does for you. It's security. It's like locking your door at night. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. That's expressvpn.com slash jesse. Get three months free on a one-year package. The great irony, man. Somebody said to me, talking about our generation and how susceptible we are to propaganda and how susceptible we are to just ignoring facts. Remember, the facts about police racism, they aren't there. Like, at all. If anything, that shows the police departments are bending over backwards to avoid appearing racist. And remember... On top of the statistics being so low, these institutionally racist police departments in these big cities that everybody's riding against, um, they're all diverse, extremely diverse. Have you people never talked to big city cops? I know a ton of them here in Houston. Uh, Like half of them are black. Bunch of Hispanics on there. But it's, it's... They're oftentimes, almost always, extremely reflective of the city they represent. There's not a bunch of not a bunch of skinheads on the Houston Police Department. But we are so susceptible to it. And this guy was telling me what's ironic, what's crazy about it is all this information's out there. That information I told you about. About nine unarmed black men in total in all of 2019 being killed by cops. That That's not information I came up with. I didn't go digging through the libraries of Congress for that. That's an FBI statistic that's being thrown around on every news show. Well, on some news shows, it's being thrown around online. That's it's a, Anyone could access that. Any idiot could do it, even producer Chris. We have access to all this information, more information than anybody ever has had. Ever. Think about that for a moment. Look at that phone in your hand. Think about your phone. I'm holding mine right now, mainly because it has my picture on it. Think about the phone in your hand. You understand this? That with that phone in your hand, you are the wisest person to ever walk the face of the planet? Do you realize that all these wise philosophers of old would kill to get their hands on any new book, to talk to any new tutor of a subject they didn't know? Because where do you get knowledge back then? And you realize you have the knowledge of quite literally everything in the world in the palm of your hand. I'm not a car guy. Producer Chris is a car guy in woodworking and all that other weird stuff. I certainly couldn't do it like producer Chris could, 
I could take apart an engine, and I've never taken apart an engine in my life. Do you know why I know I could take apart an engine? Sure, I'd have to go buy tools and stuff for it. How long do you think it would take me? And I haven't even done this. I'm doing this live on the air. How long do you think it would take me to pull up a YouTube video of a step-by-step process of taking apart an engine? Chris, go, starting now, look. How long did it take you to get to a video? I'm going to time you, Chris. Wait, hold on. Let me start the clock. All right, I'm, t- I'm starting it. Look, this is great radio. We're all sitting here in suspense. The audience can't see you, but they can feel me. You already have it. That was 12 seconds. In 12 seconds, Chris pulled out a video. You are the wisest person on the planet. You have access to never-ending knowledge. Quite literally, never-ending. Whatever subject interests you. I have people ask me all the time, how do I learn all this history stuff? How do I do all this? Well, one, I've been obsessed for it for, with, for a long time. But two, you know what doesn't even take that? If there's something I talk about that interests you, dude, dig in. I hit all these subjects from a 30 or 40,000 foot view. You could take hours and hours and hours on end digging into all these things. I did what, 30 minutes today on Goebbels? And the Nazis, geez, that's that's a that's a forty-hour podcast if you want it to be endless knowledge. It's right there, right there at your fingertips. And yet, never have we been more susceptible to the big lie. To the big lie, and you want to know how I know that? Turn on the news. What do you see? America burning itself to the ground over a lie, over something that's not even close to truth. If you miss any part of my show, you can catch the whole podcast. Chris gets the podcast of the show up immediately after after the show. You can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify. You can subscribe on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Do not forget to talk about how handsome I am in the comments. It is critically important. If you want to email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Again, I get way too many emails to respond. I will read every one you send, though. You send it. Assume I've read it because I've read every single one. Producer Chris, have I not? Everyone. You send it, I read it. The big lie. Some reason we were so susceptible to it. Oh, and propaganda goes, it goes for more than just the government. It goes for more than just the news media. You know what I've been seeing all over the news? Equality for all. I see it on advertisements on Nickelodeon, which your kids are watching. I saw the video game Call of Duty. Your kids probably play it, or at least you've heard of it. It's this massive popular video game. They were supposed to have some kind of announcement. I don't understand what exactly the announcement was. Some big update or something to it. They postponed it and instead put out a message about equality for all. We have NBA announcer Grant Napier placed on leave 
For what, mind you? For tweeting, all lives matter. Immediately, the guy had to prostrate himself before the Black Lives Matter mob and say, quote, I'm not as educated on BLM as I thought I was, Napier said in an apology published by the Sacramento Bee. I had no idea that when I said all lives matter, it was counter to what Black Lives Matter is trying to get across. Yeah. All lives matter is now considered a controversial statement. And why is it considered a controversial statement? Because it's counter to the approved propaganda that has been poured into your eyes and ears for years now. And the problem we face is this. You cannot escape it. It's everywhere. You either turn off the news or you're going to be drowned in it all the time. Ugly stuff. Ugly stuff. Now, all right, Chris. I have an idea for a prank. And I can't, well, I'm not a big prank person, I'll be honest. But I've always had this idea for this prank. And I can't decide if it's hilarious or childish or both or whether it's just not funny at all. You ready? Here's my idea for the prank. Oh, wait. Crap. Okay, never mind. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll give you my prank. Your phone is more disgusting than that last public restroom you went into. That can be a bitter pill to swallow. It was a bitter pill for me to swallow. But it's actually understandable when you think about it. How often have you cleaned your phone? Now, take that knowledge with what you do with your phone. You touch it all the time, right? Your fingers are all over it. You're talking into it. Then your fingers are all over it. Then you're setting it down on this surface and that surface. Then you're picking it back up. And that's one day. Now multiply that by a month, two months, three months in between cleanings. At least, is it worse? Yeah, it's time for you to get a clean phone pro. Go to AmericaFirstShop.com and get a clean phone pro. You are going to love this item because it also works on keys, wallets, credit cards, earbuds, jewelry, and more. Go to AmericaFirstShop.com, get a clean phone pro. Use the code JESSE at checkout for free two-day shipping. All right, enough of this ugliness about rioting and protesting. Let's focus on the ugliness of Brandon Darby. Breitbart.com. What's up, Darby? It's been a while, brother. You know, um, <laughs> I'm looking at what's going on across the country, and I'm looking at the focus. Obviously, there has to be a focus on it from law enforcement and from our, our intel guys. I'm looking at 
uh, reports that the DEA is now focused on, you know, some of the the organizers and rioting and and gathering intel. And I'm thinking, man, this is just going to be such a field day for Mexican cartels because we have all of our agencies that are traditionally focused on them dividing their time and focusing on the violent riots that are going on across and the organizing that's going on across the country uh, for that violence. So, and, you know, I'm not real happy with that. It's, uh, it's pretty upsetting. It's gut-wrenching to watch our country, to watch this happen to our country for me. This is why I love having you on. You always bring a different perspective about it. Dude, I've been talking about these riots for a week, and it never even occurred to me until you just said it. Yeah, of course the cartels are going to take huge advantage of all this. Well, it's kind of a double whammy for me because of my history uh, with the far left, right? And, and my, when I was a youth and then my history, like the whole FBI deal, and, you know, these, you know I worked undercover at the 2008 RNC convention um, and a bunch of these writers, you know, these, these same far lefty groups with the same organizers, uh, you know, tried to firebomb cops and Republican delegates there. And um, I ended up testifying against them, which is really ultimately, you know, they attacked me so badly for testifying that it's how Andrew Breitbart found me, which is how I got into this whole ordeal in the first place. So it's kind of like, deja vu watching it but to watch it on this level to watch this much chaos um and then to watch the impact you know that that i know it's having on um, and i don't have hard data to say oh the cartels are exploiting the fact that all of our federal agencies that focus on them are are having to divide their time and focus on these violent you know revolutionaries across the country or so-called you know maybe they're larpers or whatever um it, it's kind of a double whammy, and it just tears my guts up, man. I I, I can't uh, tell you, uh, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, it, it absolutely tears my guts up to just see what's happening, to see what's happening. I mean, nobody, nobody, you know, wants uh, someone who, you know, was irresponsible and and had someone die to get away with it or to be ignored. Uh, I totally understand that, but. But the level of just depravity and violence across our country, uh, you know, it's, it's just gut-wrenching. That's all you can say. It's, just, it's hard to sleep at night thinking of where this could lead to uh, once that veil is pierced, right? You know, like people like us respect law enforcement and respect society because we we believe in it and we want to we respect law and order. But for a lot of people, they respect law and order only because they they are afraid of it or they they think it's maybe more, more, you know, less, less, less subject to human frailty than it really is. And now that they started tasting blood, I don't know that they're not going to continue. And it's just, it just got rid of Tell us this background story of yours in more detail, because we've had you on a thousand times and I just realized we've not, now I know it, but I realized you've never told that story on the air. What? Undercover? What? Go into this. Well, it's a, it's a long, crazy story and you probably don't have time for it. There's a bunch of documentaries made about it. There's, um, you know, if you hate me and you want to watch a far left documentary that blames me and cops for why these guys are violent, you can watch one called Better This World. I've never watched it, but it was, you know, HBO and PBS and all the big money people behind it. 
Uh, if you want to watch one that's kind of more neutral, but still from a lefty perspective, but isn't uh, as unfair, you can watch one called Informant, uh, which was, you know, a pretty big deal uh, at the time. Um, or you can watch another one called uh, Rebel Evolution, uh, which is a lot more favorable. And then there's even another one um, that's heavily focused on it, and it's called Occupy Unmasked. And it's actually, it was put together by Bannon, and it was Andrew Breitbart's last project. And it heavily focuses on that. And, you know, we really felt like they were going to get this violent uh, in the 2012 election season. And thankfully, they were able to, to be kept from getting this violent. Uh, but they just rebranded themselves with the same people. And, and a lot of the little, you know, people in the road and the little adherents, they're not the same people. But the organizers, the structure, the the organizational structure, the intelligence behind it, the the expertise behind this, it, it is the same people as were in Occupy. It is the same people as were. It's the same people. It's just the same far left rebranding themselves. To not so they're not held accountable, kind of like Los Zetas did, calling themselves CDN. They they just rebrand themselves so they're not held accountable for the baggage of their previous manifestation. It's like an LLC, and they're Occupy, and then you know they get a bunch of baggage, so they change the name from Occupy to something else, and they focus on that. And then as soon as they get a lot of baggage and a bunch of violence associated with them, and everybody turns on them, like what's probably going to happen pretty quickly here. Then they're just going to call themselves something different. All of a sudden, they're going to act like they're a whole new entity that has no responsibility and historical, uh, uh, you know, weight from what they, the mistakes they made in the previous year. Uh, so, so you know, there's a, there's a lot people can do to look into that. But it is one of the things like you know, when stuff like this starts happening, my spidey sense goes off. I mean, these people hate me. There's a lot of people like me that these people hate. Uh, they consider me a pig or a snitch or a cop or whatever. And um, and when these kind of things happen, uh, you know, I definitely become much more aware when these people feel empowered, uh, you know, they go after their enemies. And we have to be much more aware. So, like I said, it's just gut-wrenching on a number of levels. It's gut-wrenching on a personal level. Uh, it's gut-wrenching just as a, a patriot who loves our country. And it's gut-wrenching as somebody who wants us to go after Mexican cartels because I realize so much of that infrastructure and those law enforcement and intelligence assets are now focused on these fools who are uh, destroying our country. Brandon, what do they want? These Occupy Wall Street, now Antifa people, what do they, what is the end game? Is there an end game? Is it a bunch of bored kids wanting chaos? Do they have a political, political end game? What do they want? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a red, yellow, green issue, and, and that's kind of complicated. But I, the bottom line is, uh, you know, some of them just want violence. I mean, if, you know, you look at the, you know, I talked to a Colombian uh, revolutionary one time who's a, a FARC founder, right? Someone who was involved in the early stages of the FARC. And they were so well-intentioned. They just wanted a communist revolution. And not that that's well-intentioned, but in their context, yeah. maybe it was, right? Yeah. They had a really horrible situation. I get it. They they wanted people to be fed and, and a happier world. And even though we know they're misguided, that's what they really wanted. That's what this person really wanted. But what she told me, she said, you know, you can't have an idealistic revolution, ideological revolution, and not have half the people show up be sociopaths who want to sell drugs and kill people and just want to play, you know, 
play Rambo. You can't do it. Like, it just can't happen. You're going to have those people a part of it, too, and they're going to take over. You know, you can't, you can't have that and not have the organized crime element become something involved in it, you know, because the line between revolutionary and gangster is real fine. You know, it's a really fine line there. It's a, it's a, it's a very slippery slope. And, and so I think in this situation, there are a lot of the base, a lot of the masses of people who show up actually think they're trying to better the world, think they're trying to do something good. But the people behind it, they want revolution. They don't like capitalism. They're very open about it. They tell us what they want. Uh, they don't like police. They don't like, and meaning the current police, they don't like prison. They don't like, I mean, to go down the line of what they don't like, Hey, Brandon. Uh, they hey, generally don't and, like white people. Sorry to jump this on you, but I'm up against the heartbreak. Any way you can stay for one second? Let's do it. All right, good. I'm going to put him on hold real quick. We're going to come back with Brandon Darby. We didn't even get to cartel stuff. He's always rolling. I love this guy. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. The difference between who you are after a great night of sleep and who you are after a disastrous night of sleep, it's a big difference, isn't it? I know what you're thinking about because I've thought about it before. I've gone through it several times. I understand maybe so there are people out there who can do it better than me. When I'm operating on not much sleep, I am worthless. I just am. I can't think right. I don't function correctly. My mind and my body have completely abandoned me is what it feels like. It feels like I'm walking around in a fog. And what's worse is I know that day is coming as I lay there and I'm not able to fall asleep. So then then my mind really starts churning and I stay up later and later and later and I just cannot finally drift off. You need an ebb sleep. It's a wearable device that targets those thoughts keeping you awake. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get 25 bucks off. We are back with Brandon Darby. Brought him on to talk about the cartels. We talked about Antifa and stuff the whole time. <laughs> I forgot he used to do all that awesome undercover work back then. Brandon, why, why undercover? Like you've told us this story. I mean, my audience knows these stories by now. You're riding into Mexico in the back of trunks. You're going undercover at all this leftist stuff. That's freaking awesome. How does one even get into that? Well, um, you know, I was a concrete guy uh, who had a, a real issue with, you know, people who I thought were being treated unfairly in life. And so I was very involved in a lot of causes, uh, much as I still am. Have, I have an issue with the way I think people, you know, cartels treat people. I, I feel for the victims of cartels. So I try to stir everybody up to do something about them. So I educate people of who they are, what they do, and I, I, I try to stand up to them on behalf of all the people affected in the U.S. and all the people affected in Mexico. It's really the same stuff, right? It's just I used to buy into this false narrative when I was a kid uh, and younger uh, that, that if you wanted to help people, 
that meant you were a leftist. And if you just wanted to help rich white people get richer, it meant you were a right winger. And that's what a lot of Democrats and a lot of the youth are, uh, believe. I think it's a false narrative. I know that now, but I didn't know that when I was a, a, a youth so full of passion to do something to change the world, right? And make the world a better place. I didn't know that. So, so I was very involved in causes. And in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, I went, uh, you know, I was very involved in a lot of causes. So a lot of the, the, I guess, celebrity activists and former Panthers on the left, uh, were people I was very close to and friends with, or they were my mentors. And when Katrina happened, I, I went to try to rescue them in, in, uh, in New Orleans. And that just accidentally turned into a crazy situation. It turned into, uh, a situation where we had, a, we ended up doing relief operations and it became a, the, we basically were able to mobilize the entire far left and the anti-war movement as a relief entity, right? To, to help people in areas of New Orleans that were kind of being ignored. And that led to me knowing all of these radical, uh, NGO and nonprofit folks across the world. Well, then what happened was this guy named Riyadh Hamad, uh, who ran the largest Palestinian nonprofit in the U.S., he, uh, he started to reveal to me basically what he was actually doing with some of that money. And it involved blowing up Israelis and Israeli kids. Yeah. And so I turned him in. And that led to them kind of going, hey, man, you know all of these people everywhere. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, huh. And I was like, you know what? I should probably do something about them. And they're like, yeah. And so I started helping them do something about them. Not protesters, not people exercising their, their rights. No, but people who were trying to engage in violence, trying to blow people up, trying to hurt people. And, and so I started doing something about them, and it, it just turned into a thing. It was kind of unintentional, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. So I did. And, and then my identity came out in a trial, right, because uh, it kind of needed to. And once that happened, you know, the New York Times started in on me, and instead of saying, like, hey, far leftists, Spawned a bomb plot. Uh, they were, you know, you know, active peace activists feel betrayed by their government espionage and on them, and you know, and so everyone really turned on me, and in an effort to discredit me in the in the bureau and other law enforcement agencies before a trial, they just dirtied the hell out of us, and and it was uh, quite offensive. Uh, it was very. Very destructive, but Andrew Breitbart heard an NPR special where they were attacking me, and he reached out to me and said, hey, why don't you fight back? And I said, I do fight back, Andrew, but they don't print what I say, or they make up quotes, or they, they're smearing me. And he said, it's obvious they're smearing you, but I'm starting a website called Big Government, and you can fight back on my website, and I won't edit you, I, you know, other than just for, you know, uh, as much as I need to, but I won't, I won't, I'll let you have your voice. I don't care what your politics are. And I said, Hey, cool. But I can assure you that, you know, looking at all of the people I used to think were gold and everything they said was true. I'm starting to realize now that they, they're not very honest. And I'm kind of wondering about my entire belief system at this point, because I looked at the world through one lens and now I'm realizing the people who control that lens are very, very dishonest and deceptive. And so I started working with Andrew. And over a period of time, I kind of, the border stuff came up, and I kind of said, you know, um, I already have all these Palestinians and far leftists who want to kill me. 
So what does it matter if a couple more people want to kill me? I already have to live with a gun under my stomach. What do I care if, if like, the Mexican cartels want to kill me, too? It doesn't change my life at all if I make if more people are mad at me. So I decided I was the perfect person to go after them, and that's what we did. And then I just kind of gradually got tired of talking about the left. You know, I fought them. I, I, I feel like I, I played a very instrumental role in exposing them and getting, you know, the right used to say ignore oh, the did. crazies. And I feel like I played a, a role in getting oh, people did. to look at the left, and I moved on to the cartels. But Brandon, now here they are again doing it, and it's, it's quite upsetting, you know. Brandon Darby, Breitbart.com. Go read all his Cartel Chronicles stuff. Now you people know why we have Darby on. All the time. As I've said before, the dude needs a Pulitzer. I'm not even kidding. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. That guy's awesome. Like me. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. So here's my prank. Can't decide if I love it or not. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. You take a buddy of yours who's got a lot of pride in his lawn. I'm not one of these guys. Don't get me wrong. I'm a good neighbor. I keep my lawn mowed. You know, the hedges are trimmed. I, I I don't have trash in my property. I want to be a good neighbor. I want my property value high. I want yours high. That said, I'm never going to be, have never been, and I've no desire to be one of these lawn tinkerer guys, home improvement guys. And you see these guys, I'm kind of jealous of it. It seems like a fun hobby. Saturday morning, they wake up and they're woodworking in the garage. You know what I'm talking about. You have a neighbor like that. Well, it's Saturday morning. It's a beautiful day out. I think I'll re-brick the, the landscaping. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm actually not going to do that. But you take your buddy who's that way, and here's what you do. Have you ever flipped through one of those Sky Mall magazines when you're on a plane? A lot of you older folks will know what I'm talking about. Chris is looking at me like I just grew horns out of my head. I swear, if they don't even have Sky Mall anymore, I'm just moving to the mountains. Do they not have airplane magazines anymore that sell stuff? Oh, my gosh, what has happened? Okay, what? Well, 
All right, hang on, I'll explain. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It doesn't matter that Chris is a child who with with no life experience. Back in my day, Chris, there was a thing called Sky Mall. And you sat down on the airplane because you didn't have in my day we didn't have the cell phones. We did but you didn't. You would sit down at the on the plane. And if you didn't bring a book, a physical book, you know, we all have stuff on Kindles and such like that now. If you didn't bring a physical book or forgot to buy, you know, a Maxim magazine or some high-quality reading like that. If you forgot to do that, you were stuck with whatever reading material was stuck in front of you in the plane seat in that little pouch. I understand most younger people these days will not understand. That was all read. You would pull it all out. All out. You'd pull out the safety reading stuff. You'd be like, oh, somebody stuffed their gum in there. you pull out the barf bag, see if anybody had used it before. And eventually... You would pull out the Sky Mall magazine. And Sky Mall magazine was essentially this a gigantic way for them to blood suck money out of you in the middle of the sky by offering you a bunch of total infomercial products all over the map. And I mean all over the map. Oh, look, there's a collapsible doghouse. Oh, a foot massager that uses sea urchin needles. I mean, it was all over the place. From practical to ridiculous. Oh, you can actually buy the sword from Conan the Barbarian, an exact replica. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding, dude. I'm not making it up. Like, they would sell huge swords and daggers in there. And one of the things they sold in there was a massive, I believe it was five feet tall, it might be six feet tall, a massive Bigfoot statue. Huge. And it was made of, I think, bronze. That might be wrong. It was huge and heavy. I, I, I The pounds on it, gosh, I'm trying to think. I don't want to get this wrong because somebody will correct me, but I don't really care. I, I seriously think it was over 200 pounds. As you can imagine, a five-foot metal statue. It's enormous. And I don't know why. I always thought that was the most hilariously random thing in the world. Who would buy that? In what universe does somebody flip through Sky Mall and see a five-foot statue of Bigfoot and think, you know, that would really bring the room together. That's what we need. Do you think it matches the drapes? I think it does, right? (laughs) Right? So I always had this idea. What if you make a pile of money? Because it was expensive. It was hundreds of dollars. It's not something you could just buy in bulk. I will tell you that much. So let's let's assume this radio career really takes off, Chris. <laughs> radio and TV, baby. Media star Kelly. No, sorry. It's the Oracle Kelly. 
Let's say I get rich. Here's what I want to do. I want to buy a bunch of those Bigfoot statues and have them delivered to my yard friends' houses in the middle of the night and have them set up in the front yard. Is it good? Is it bad? I want you because this is what I want you to picture. I want you to picture your buddy, and I don't mean just randomly. I'm talking about for birthdays or something like that, Christmas time. So I can now, they'll all know me, so they'll know that this was a joke. But so you can straight face, you know, he wakes up Christmas morning and sees a 300-pound, 5-foot Bigfoot statue in his front yard. Finds out it's from me, because I'll leave a little card on there. And he calls, and I'm like, Merry Christmas, brother. Just assumed you'd want one. Chris, is it good or not good? It's not bad, right? It's not bad. I don't think you're feeling it. A man dies trying to blow up ATM on Philadelphia sidewalk. A 24-year-old whose name has not been released suffered trauma to his upper body after placing an explosive in a sidewalk facing in, in a sidewalk facing ATM outside a sports bar along North 2nd Street near Susquehanna Avenue at 6:15 a.m. Philadelphia police said Medics rushed the man to a nearby hospital where he died a couple hours later. Police found live explosives at the scene and focused their investigation on the blasted ATM. Nearby residents and those living in the neighborhood across the city heard blasts as looting in the wake of George Floyd protests continued for a fourth day. At least 10 machines were vandalized. We don't celebrate death here on the show. And I'm not going to celebrate the death of a 24-year-old dude who died trying to blow up an ATM. But I will say this because, you know, I can be a little morbid, not darkly morbid. Is it dark? Am I darkly morbid or am I, or am I happily morbid, Chris? Explain. I mean, I've, I've always acknowledged, like I said, I've lived my whole life trying to work my way back from my deathbed. Deathbed confessions. Are you going to wish you tried this? Are you going to wish you did that? Are you going to wish you avoided this? So on and so forth. I try to live my life in that way. One of the things I've always feared, tell me if this is an irrational fear. I've always feared dying in some really lame way. Because accidents happen, whether it be something stupid I did or just something completely Unrelated to anything stupid I did, but something really lame. You know, one of these people, one of these people who dies from a falling icicle in the winter time. Dude, I do not want an icicle die. That's no way for a man to go. You walk out and and get the mail, and trip over a rock and hit your head on the curb and you die. Dude, that's not how I want to go. I don't want to go like that. And I have to imagine. In the afterlife, this young man, after living what I'm assuming is a life of crime, let's be honest, you don't jump right from being law-abiding citizen guy to loading explosives in an ATM guy. You don't just make that jump instantly. This dude has done some things before. Clearly, his life was on the right path. But you go make your final withdrawal, and you die trying to blow up an ATM machine. 
Is that embarrassing if you're a criminal, Chris? I would assume so, right? Now, you're assuming if you're a criminal, it's not like these guys have 401ks. You're assuming you're going to go out ugly in some way, a rival gangster, a cop shooting, you're going to get shivved in prison. I mean, it's the crime life. How many crime stories have we said on this show? How many end with, he retired on a beach in the Dominican Republic being fanned by his servants? Like one. (laughs) They don't, that's not how that story ends. So is it that bad? Is that how we'd want to go, Chris? Chris says that's how he'd want to go. It's quick. Let me clarify Blown up is not always blown up. Remember, this dude did not die until he got to the hospital hours later. This dude, I mean, I can't imagine he was in great shape, maybe missing some eyeballs. Certainly missing his ATM card. All right, crit. Quit, Chris. Don't laugh. Stop. Mommy and Daddy escort Antifa kid suspected of kicking off riot to turn himself in. Brian Jordan Bartels. What is it with people in using all three names? Don't you find that weird, Chris? Or, I mean, I'm not talking about other cultures. Like all these all these cartel dudes have like 90 names. Remember Pablo Escobar had like 80 of them. Finally, he was just like, I'll, I'll go with Pablo Escobar. But anyway, Brian Jordan. Oh, shoot. It's break time. Hang on. something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show ebb sleep you need one stop taking the sleeping pills (laughs) hear me out i'm not judging you for taking the sleeping pills i've taken them before in my life and you take them when you are when you're at wit's end don't you You, you've waited till you're two or three days into zombie like sleep and then you're thinking, oh, gosh, I just, you know what? I'm just going to take one. And you knock out for 12 hours and you wake up feeling better than you did, right? Well, of course, because your eyes were actually closed for long enough. But you're only kicking the can down the road on the problem. Get in ebb sleep because it's drug free. It's a wearable solution that puts you asleep faster and keeps you asleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryeb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse. You get 25 bucks off at checkout. Stop thinking about it. Go get an ebb sleep. Brian Jordan Bartles, a 20-year-old man who Pittsburgh police said is suspected of inciting violence during a protest, was escorted by his parents as he turned himself in Monday. Law enforcement were inv- local law enforcement were investigating the destruction of a police SUV when they received an anonymous tip from a co-worker at Amazon who recognized Bartles at the scene of the crime. The Pittsburgh Post- Post-Gazette reported. I read that sentence all wrong. Shut up. You people get it. 
The vehicle was set on fire after being tagged with spray paint Saturday. A woman tried to stop Bartles from damaging the SUV, but he gave her the finger and proceeded to break the car's windows. The 20-year-old turned himself in Monday and was escorted by his parents and an attorney. Local news reporter attempted to ask him questions, but Bartels ignored them as he walked into the station. So on and so on and so on. I only read you that story, which seems rather meaningless, until I tell you this. Look. Because of the anger levels in America already, a lot of that is economy lockdown related. A lot of what you're seeing is angry, unemployed, bored young men. There's no question about that. But a lot of this Antifa, anarchist, bring America down movement, a lot of them are just misfits. A lot of them, though, are rich kids. Mayor Bill de Blasio's daughter, is there a more privileged human being on the face of the planet than Mayor Bill de Blasio's daughter? She's a radical leftist who's already been arrested once during these riots. This is not a uniquely American problem. This is a problem in virtually every empire in history. As I have told you before, as I will tell you again, if I were to allow you, if I were to have the magical powers to hand you every single thing you want, what would that list look like? You you come to me, Jesse, magical Jesse. I want that. Li- I want everything. Here it is. And I mean, there's no holding back. You name it. Whatever your thing is. Money, house, boats, yachts, food, women, whatever the case may be. Snap of my fingers, everything you want. Your own private island, your own country, whatever you want. You want your own planet in outer space. Whatever it is, I can give you everything. Snap of my fingers. You come to me. Here's my list. Boom, I snap my fingers. I hand it to you. You last a month. Tops. Before you're bored and miserable. The human mind. Your mind. My mind. Producer Chris's small mind. Other minds. Everybody. You are created. You are created by God. To take on challenges. Why did the explorers. Point a boat west. And sail into the great unknown. With a high likelihood of death. Because that is the nature of man. You are born for challenges. And absent challenges, you are not happy when you are absent challenges. You are miserable. And when you grow up as a child of privilege, and I am not in any way crapping on successful parents, Crapping on parents who make a great life for themselves, who have a great life for their kids. I'm telling you to be aware of this. If your child faces a life of no challenges, I don't care the values you think you're giving them. If they get everything they've ever wanted, whenever they ever want it, your child will eventually be 
and a miserable human being because your child has never had that feeling of overcoming anything. Your child lacks, lacks confidence because they've never had to overcome anything. I have people ask me all the time, how did you get confident? How did you get so confident? There is no substitute. You get confidence by overcoming hard things, by going through miserable things. I don't care how often you tell your kid, I love you, little Billy. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you. That stuff matters. It does matter. It will not give him confidence. He will not get that confidence until he tries out for the basketball team, gets cut because the coach said he sucks, goes, practices for a summer, comes back the next year, and makes the team. Now, that's confidence. He will not get confidence until he goes through that horrible camp that's supposed to be brutal on the kids and he survives and makes it out. Why do you think they say that about people who join the military, especially the more elite stuff? Why do you think Navy SEALs are known to be so confident? Confident this, cocky, confident. Because once you've survived hardship, that's how you turn out. If you want your child to be a confident adult, there is no substitute, none, for challenges. And if you don't give them that, your child will seek them out instinctively. Why would a well-to-do 20-year-old kid with loving parents be wrecking cop cars and flipping people off? That 20-year-old kid has never had a challenge in his life, and he sought one out. Oh, racism. Cops. You know, cops suck. You know what? I'm going to go. Hang on. Dad, do you have the keys to my Beamer you bought me? I'm going to go protest. It's true. It's true. I see it all the time now. I live right around this fancy little suburb of Houston. You know, anybody, as soon as you make a little money, everybody moves to this little suburb. I drive by the high school. Brand new SUVs. Brand new pickup trucks. Saw a couple Mercedes in there. A Beamer or two. Even saw a brand new Corvette. Do you think it's healthy for your 16-year-old son to drive a brand-new Corvette? You know what's healthy? My $600 1983 Honda Accord that quite literally had pieces falling off of it as I drove down the road. It would stall out in the middle of intersections, and people trying to get to work would drive by me, screaming cuss words at me, giving me the finger as I stood there humiliated. Is that fun? No. It's basically the worst experience ever. It's also very, very, very healthy. We need challenges. Give your children challenges. Make sure they experience them. Otherwise, your kids are going to find them. Do you want to select the challenges for your children? Or do you want them to select the challenges? Yeah. Get your kids challenges. They need them. All right. We're going to talk to Kira Davis talking about all this insanity. 
talking about, well, her crappy food takes. You remember last time she got on here and tried to dump on apple juice? Where does she get off? All right. All that is coming up in just a second. Joining me now, Editor-in-Chief of Red State, Poor Eater, Kira Davis. Kira, are you a, are you a road trip person? Do you like yes. road trips? Okay, explain yes. why. I need to know. Oh, I love being able to see most of the, uh, the area that you're traveling to. And my favorite part, and this is something that Davis family does every time we take a road trip, we don't necessarily take the interstate. We take back roads. And uh, then if something looks interesting, we just stop. And I said, why are you, uh, why are you such a killjoy? Uh, you have the best adventures. I have the best party stories because of my road trip. Yes, I'm sure the, the Davis family pulling over to read some, you know, Civil War memorial sign in the back roads was totally worth adding four oh, extra days to the journey when you could have just flown and been there in an hour. Excuse me. You have not seen the country's biggest rocking chair. Oh, no. That's so lame. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, you know I am I am sad I am sad I missed that, but I think you and I both know I would probably fit just fine in the world's biggest rocking chair. Now, yes, are you going to flee California? Oh, be, uh, be honest I, about it. I'm curious. Look, I'm asking all my friends in these hard blue states as it gets worse, and you're seeing this fracturing take place more in America. News for everybody, it's not a racial fracturing. There is a urban versus rural fracturing that's getting way, way worse, in my opinion. What are you going to do? What are you thinking? The Davises are stuck in California for right now, and that is because of personal circumstances. But also this state makes it so you're just surviving week to week. So to even pick up the family and move somewhere where we could do first month's, last month's rent or to buy a house, a new house and take on a new mortgage, that's an expense that is out of reach for a lot of families. So that it's a, cons- I know a lot of people are always like, why do you stay? But it's, it's actually not that easy to leave. Forget about the ties that you have here. Financially, it is a huge burden to leave this state. It's, they have you just trapped in this limbo. And, and so we're here for a while. I'll say this. My husband and I were talking about this last night, and he's not really a political guy. He's conservative, but he's not very political. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about the state last night, and I had been having a conversation with my dentist yesterday. I finally got to see her after a few months. She's an Indian immigrant, and she told me, you know what? I watched Trump's speech, Trump's speech the other night, and I loved it. And she's a Newsom voter, and she's like, I'm so sick of this state. I'm so sick of the Democrats. 
just letting lawlessness reign. No one's protecting my business. And I felt like Trump was. She's like, I'm never voting Dem again. I'm voting Trump in November. And my husband and I were talking about that. And we've been hearing of that a lot from people here in California. We may be reaching a tipping point here in California. I hate to make a, a solid prediction, but I'm not ready to leave just yet. Because if we're going to tip, I'd love to be here for that. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, it's look, our Mexican food is clearly superior to yours, but I mean, there's a lot to love about California. <laughs> be be honest right now, how many cavities? Uh, no, I can't be honest about that. <laughs> <laughs> is, that <laughs> is it terrible that I hate going to the dentist more and more as I get older? I felt like go- going to the dentist as a child always gave me a confidence boost. Oh, you could really tell you're flossing when I've never flossed in my life. And now I go, and they're giving you that kind of side-eye look of, wow, you can tell you don't touch this tooth very much. Yeah, well, it makes you feel old, too, because you realize, like, everything's falling apart. And there's no, you know, the dentist has to be honest with you about that. Yes. You know, now, being totally frank about it, rather than have my teeth rot out of my head, I would rather lose them all at once. See, I'm a, see. you don't have to deal with this, Kira, because you're a woman and have a full head of hair. I'm a dude, and it's starting to retreat back towards my ears like the Italian army, and it's starting to get thinner up top. And now I'm playing this dangerous game that men have to play where I have to decide when do I buzz it down. Because once you buzz it down, you never grow it out again. It's never coming back. How long until I look ridiculous trying to have hair? I'm trying to picture you bald. Like, I'm trying to picture you shaving your... I don't think it's going to work. I think you should go get the Rogaine. I can't. Now, do, I can't. I can't. No, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I know we shouldn't be plugging a product that's not paying us. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do have a glorious head of hair, but a lot of people don't know. I also have alopecia. So my hair was falling out. Is that out like one of those things that look like a llama? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where your hair falls out. Okay. So... My dermatologist rec- uh, recommended Rogaine to fix some of the patches, and I was like, Rogaine? That's crazy. But he was like, no, nah, you got you to gotta keep using it for a few months, and then you'll start to see. it. I couldn't believe it. It actually works. <laughs> it actually works. Oh, you have man. to use it consistently, but it actually works. But here's the problem, though, here. Here's the problem. I can, now if I reverse it? It's going to be noticeable. I mean, I'm obviously an internationally recognized TV star. People are going to notice if my hair all of a sudden, if all of a sudden I have this big thick mop and I look like Tony Danza, everybody's going to know that. Own it. Why don't you just go for it? Don't comment on it. Look at Joe Biden. He didn't have hair 20 years ago. Suddenly he's got this thick head of silver hair. He's 100 years old. He's never said anything about it. No one ever mentions it. You just go on your way and just pretend like it's been there all along and everyone will believe you. People will start to think they're crazy. You just have to gaslight America. You can get away with it. I love it. I love, you know what? I'm going to own the fake news. I'm gonna, what are you talking about? I've always had this much hair, idiots. Exactly. Uh, there's a story, there's a headline I read right before you got here about some 20-year-old Antifa kid being he, being turned in by his parents because he was wanted for police. I have this theory that much of what we're seeing now is bored young men. Doesn't matter the race, doesn't matter whatever. We have bored, often unemployed, especially now young men that are out there seeking something to do. And as you probably know, as a woman who had to deal with young men at one point in time, there's nothing more dangerous than a bored young man. 
I, uh, <laughs> or a horny young man. Yes, <laughs> exactly. yes, ma'am. Oftentimes, uh, those two go hand in hand. Exactly. Well, listen, you say they're bored. I say they're spoiled. Okay, it's yeah. my it's my theory that we've raised a whole generation that has lived in such comfort. They've never had – they're the post-9-11 generation, right? So they, so they don't remember the scary times of 9-11, but they're pre-2020, and they've, raised, they've been raised in comfort. They've had every amenity handed to them, education. Um, they've, they've been raised by a generation of parents who are afraid to say no. They don't really have a lot of struggle in their lives. And unfortunately, a lot of people feel like struggle validates you, like there's some inherent nobility in having to struggle. And you're looking at a lot of middle-class kids of all races, but especially when we talk about Antifa, talking about white middle-class kids, um, and they, they feel like they don't have a purpose. They don't feel validated because they have, haven't ever had to work for anything. And so in their minds, not only is this noble, but this is giving them purpose. We've raised a whole generation of kids with no purpose, Jesse. I truly believe that. Part of that is because we've decided that we don't need God in the public square. We don't need God in our homes. And that's a huge anchoring point for most of humanity is faith. And in modern America, we've destroyed that and told kids that they're stupid for having any kind of faith. So we've really pulled the rug out from under these kids, given them too much comfort, too much ease, and now they feel like they need to be struggling. And unfortunately, their need to struggle is it, it, it comes down on the rest of us. It actually makes the rest of us struggle. That was some of the smartest things I've ever heard on this radio, mainly because you echoed exactly what I just said the segment beforehand. So, Kira, as often as you can try to copy me, You'll end up sounding smarter and smarter. Kira Davis, redstate.com. Thank you, man. Bye, Jesse. Nailed it. Told you. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. ExpressVPN.com slash Jesse for you and your family's security. I had a chance to sit down with a friend, and he's one of those tech guru guys who does everything online. He actually tracks people down for the government. I'm not going to go into it. The things he told me about ways he can find you if he gets some information on you from the internet are stunning, absolutely stunning. And he was laying out for me, this is why you need to keep your internet use completely anonymous. Now that you know all that, know this. Every single time you go online, every single time your internet service provider, they see everything you do. Even with that private browser, everything you do, you're leaving yourself wide open. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. That's expressvpn.com slash jesse. Start protecting yourself and your family.
Austria unveils unveils is it unveils or unveils it's unveils right I said unveils first didn't I is there any way we can delete that before that goes out over the air we can't Austria unveils designed to turn Hitler's house into a police station isn't that kind of funny Hitler was Austrian <laughs> Austria authorities have unveiled a design for turning the house where Adolf Hitler was born into a police station while trying to make it unattractive as a pilgrimage site for people who glorify the Nazi dictator. A design by... In 2017, Austria's highest court ruled that the government could expropriate the building after its owner refused to sell it. A suggestion once it's shelved. I don't like destroying historic things where people can take their children and learn lessons. I realize it's the house where Hitler was born, so it's not as if, you know, this is where little baby Hitler learned to hate Jews. It's not as if you can do that. But why are we destroying things about Hitler? How and in what way does that defeat Nazism? Don't we need to talk about Hitler? Don't we need to talk about Nazism? Do you really think you can eliminate all references to Nazism and eliminate Nazism? That's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. And maybe I'm maybe I'm different when it comes to this, but I see so many similarities between crap like this and how we deal with racism in America. Um, we're allowed to talk about it, man. And when I say talk about it, I don't mean the way the media insists you talk about it. Because the way they insist we... Anytime you hear somebody's having a, quote, candid conversation about race, all that means it's some white person apologizing for being white. That's all that means. 100% of the time, that's what that means. Candid conversation never, ever, 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 ever means, okay, are we going to discuss any of the problems in the black community? Never, never once has it meant that. Why? We can talk about that too. Um, uh, um, everybody of every skin color, they're able to address problems in their own community. Black people are no different. We all have problems. It's okay. But people think... Avoiding any kind of difficult conversations is somehow progress. You're not making progress by eliminating old references to Adolf Hitler. You're eliminating progress when you tell people they can't have a frank discussion about it. When you tell people we can't go over Nazism. By the way, quick change of subject here before I forget. Martha Raddatz, that hack journalist, she had a picture last night because all the D.C. reporters are really up in arms about Trump bringing in the troops and locking D.C. down. I mean, they have D.C. locking down at this point in time. They, uh, yeah, he meant what he said. They brought people in and you're done. You're done messing things up in D.C. There are rumors all over the place about them finding pipe bombs all over and such. So it was about to get real in D.C. They're locking it down. And Martha Raddatz takes these pictures of all these American troops on the Lincoln Memorial. They're standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. 
and she's at the Lincoln Memorial this evening, you know, mortified by it. To which I said, Abe would have wept to see the American military square off against fellow Americans. And the best part is exactly half of my people got the sarcasm in that reference and half had no idea. I got so many, are you kidding me? And then they'll figure it out after most of the time on their own of, oh, he got me. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be honest here. I mean, they would have used them to invade. Quit, Chris. We can make jokes about the Civil War. Now, how long until we can make jokes about the Civil War? 20 years? We mean 20 years from now or 20 years after? That is so wrong. Chris says you wait any major event, you wait 20 years. That's so not how society works. Now, granted, I have a sixth sense of humor, so I'll make jokes about things while it's happening. I'm shoot, that's half the reason I have a microphone. <laughs> but 20 years is not true. You still you still can't make some jokes. In fact, you know what? We'll get hate mail about hate mail about the Civil War stuff. Some of the most fascinating conversations I've ever had is because I geek out on the Civil War. I, I I love it. I think it's just an endlessly fascinating conflict. Some of the most fascinating things I've seen are the way people get angry about it. To this day, we're talking mid 1800s. The country, the country divided. You and nobody you know has ever talked to somebody who fought in the Civil War. Yet, if you bring up the Civil War today, somebody will get upset about it. <laughs> That's not true. Stonewall was a better general. What do you mean Lee was Lee was a dirtball? Lee Lee was a legend. I never said Lee was a dirtball, actually, but you know what I mean. You bring up anything when it comes to the Civil War, people have the strongest opinions. <laughs> Hang on a second. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. If you missed any part of the amazing, amazing, life-changing Jesse Kelly show. Was that arrogant? If you missed any part of it, the whole thing is available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, 
on iTunes. Make sure you remember to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Make sure you talk about how handsome I am in the comments of the show. We are going to keep tackling all this stuff this week. I will tell you. These rumors about explosives and people finding explosives at these riot sites, they're picking up steam. There's going to be some truth to this. Keep your eyes on the news over the next day or two. If they're really going to be bringing in the military to crack down on these things, these people are now going to know their time is short. If they're trying to do lots of damage, which obviously... We have many, many, many bad actors in there trying to do lots of damage. They might be doing that, oh, we've only got so much time left thing. I hope that's not the case. Keep your eyes peeled out there. Be safe out there. Don't forget to laugh every now and then. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.